1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Welcome into to a Week 18 edition of First Take. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak coming to you from the Superdome awaiting a noon start We're here. against the Atlanta Falcons. We are here. Where are you? We've done it.
3: <laughs> we got here. It's Week 18. Like, whatever happens after this game. It is always kind of – when you get to week 18, it's all of a sudden like, oh, this is the end, right? Like, this is, this is the entire – like, the entire season comes down to this. And when it's week 18, it's so jarring. I've been t- talking to people this all weekend. It's so jarring because, like, uh, you go back to 2021 and you win that game, you're 9-8, and eight, and you're like, ah, oh, this is great, we <laughs> did it. And then you see the Rams up 10 points in the th- – uh, you know, or touchdown in the fourth quarter. You're like, all right, <laughs> we're going to the playoffs. And then all of a sudden they lose in overtime. Then it's done. Uh. It's over. It's just so jarring. I don't know if any other sport is really like this in the, that way – um, because like you know, basketball it's like oh, game seven, but like yeah, you either win or you lose, but you know it. Right. You don't have to wonder. Anyway, we're gonna be sitting there until three, until six o'clock tonight, being like ah,
2: maybe. Well, but. hopefully not till 6 o'clock at night. We just need the Carolina Panthers to come through against Tampa Bay. I, the likelihood of that, I know, is,
3: yeah. is, is so great. Yeah, we should feel good about that. Everyone should feel great. Uh, uh,
2: my whole theory, and I've been saying that, well, my wish is that uh, they have end up pulling Bryce Young early in the game, and Andy Dalton has to lead Carolina to a victory over Tampa. But anyway, we are getting ready for <laughs> Saints versus Falcons. Obviously, the first time around in Atlanta, the Dirty Birds came away with a victory, and it was not pretty, Jeff. They they just ran up and down this Saints squad
3: yeah you know 228 rushing yards i see i, I don't even know if the you know the, the story of the second half was was them running the ball at will right but that wasn't necessarily the story of the first half story of the first half was the saints moving the ball and being ineffective right like that's this is the the week 12 is the perfect game when you look at this season you say what have the saints not been able to do on offense they haven't been able to score they've been able to move the ball you've seen a ton of yards but when it comes down to it, they have not been able to get in the end zone. Well, the last five games, that hasn't really been the case, right? Even even in the, the game, you know, even in the Panthers game, the game that they struggled and had like, I think Derek Carr had 37 <laughs> passing yards, like, right. eight, eight minutes to go. <laughs> they still went two for two in the red zone in that game, and that's what helped them put it away uh, against the Falcons 0 for 5 in the red zone. And so that was the story. Like, you can say 228 yards on the ground, but that's a product of, not forcing the Falcons to have to do anything outside of their comfort zone. And if in any game against any team, if you allow this Falcons team to play with the lead and to lean on you, right? This is like a boxer kind of just leaning on you for, for 10 rounds. And then those final two rounds, it's just like you got nothing left, right? And, and that's what that game was. And so, you know, I think that the, the Saints can stop the run better than they did in that game, but the offense needs to do its job, needs to get, you know, put some game pressure on Atlanta. Um, and you had a chance to do it in that game. It's the turnovers in the red zone that were particularly egregious. You know? Right. Derek Arthur on the pick six, Jesse Bates, Taysom Hill fumbling on the goal line. Uh, Very as they
2: characteristic were.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's not something, well, I, you know, it's funny because it's uncharacteristic, except, you know, I remember a time when Taysom Hill fumbling was like a huge problem, right? Right, uh, I
2: that was like one year, I forget, it? I think is it was it? the
3: 2020 season, okay. I, I think it was, I think he had something like 10, 10 fumbles, like 8 loss or something like that, something crazy, and it was like all everyone was talking about, he's been better about it, and that game was just, you know, the funny thing is you look at that game and Jesse Bates made two incredible plays. Yeah, he's a problem. (laughs) He's (laughs) a problem. You know, you look at all these kind of high-money signings that happen every offseason, and a lot of times you're like, you know, overpaying in free agency is usually a mistake. (laughs) Most teams that do it end up regretting it over time. I don't think they're going to end up regretting it with Jesse. I think that was a good investment in terms of if you're paying someone, they better make plays. And they can't just be good. They have to show up and make impact plays and change games. And that's what he did in that game. And so, you know, I think uh, Derek's probably spent a little extra time watching the Jesse Bates film. I hope uh, this time around, because that pick six really, you know, that, that, that set the tone for that game, and I don't know if it ever changed, the rest of the way.
2: No, you're right. It was a big gut punch to the Saints that they never were able to uh, recover from, obviously, in that when Taysom fumbled, too, it was, it was definitely like felt like a nail in the coffin there, unfortunately, yeah. because he had been this dirty bird killer throughout his history, and for him to fumble there, just a huge spot. Uh, looking at the injury list for this team heading into this game, the Saints, have a number of guys questionable. Two, only two players out can ruled out completely: Lonnie Johnson and Landon Young. But then questionable, you have Juwan Johnson, Alvin Kamara, Colin Saunders, Kendra Miller, uh, A.T. Perry, Peyton Turner, and J.T. Gray. Uh, the really disturbing one for me was obviously Kendra Miller, the rookie running back, dealing with an ankle. And then Bam Friday pops up with an illness. We've seen this being a problem throughout. I guess everyone's workplace of late, everybody dealing with some kind of flu bug.
3: Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, you saw yeah, Jordan Howden was sick last week. And right. it, it'll be interesting to see how they handle those two rookies in terms of, you know, one of the reasons Jonathan Abram played such a big role last week is that Jordan Howden was sick and missed a day of practice. And, you know, I just think when you're, when you're a rookie, when you're a young player, those practice reps are a lot more meaningful, and it, and it becomes a little more difficult to perform at a high level when you don't have that preparation. How do you handle that with A.T. Perry and Kendra Miller? Friday is primarily red zone work, right? So it, will they be have no role in the red zone today if they're unable to install that? You know, that's not as significant with Kendra, assuming Jamal can go. But what about A.T., a guy who, you know, it's funny you go back to that Week 12 game and one of the one of the lasting images was a mistake in the red zone from A.T. Perry, you know? Right. Um, so that's going to be something to watch. But, you know, I talked to Kendra earlier in the week, and he, he assured me that he was going to be like he was confident that he was going to play he's still dealing with the ankle injury I was going to say that
2: was before the sickness though right
3: it down with the sickness <laughs> uh but that was he was still dealing with the ankle injury um he's gonna he'd have to grit through it to some extent but he was planning to play now obviously the illness probably throws a wrench into that a little bit but I expect him to play um it seems like this kind of a 24 48 hour thing and I think that He'll be able to at least be up, uh, you know, maybe get an IV or something, right? If he's dehydrated. The question is Alvin Kamara. Right. And Dennis Allen said on Friday that they're going to take it right up to game time. He's too—he's too good of a player. He's too important of a player to this offense to not give him every chance to potentially be out there. Maybe pull a pull a Demario, right? One of these miraculous recoveries that we hear so much about. Um, I would be very surprised if he goes. Not only because. You know, it's tough to get back from an ankle injury in a week, but also because we've seen what can happen when you try to push through something that maybe you shouldn't, you know, cost Michael Thomas an entire season. And, you know, I don't think you're thinking ahead to what if we make the playoffs, but, you know, what percentage are you getting him out there at? And at a certain point, it's actually not helping you win, right, whether he's a decoy or whatever. So I think, you know, this is going to come down to can Jamal Williams be effective? And how much can you get out of Kendra Miller? They also elevated Jordan Mims, right. which that was a question. I had a feeling they were going to elevate either him or James, uh, J- James Washington. James Robinson. James Robinson, sorry. yeah. Uh, they elevated Jordan Mims instead. So he's there in case they need an extra body. But, yeah, I think this is going to be a game where it's like, hey, you paid Jamal Williams, brought him in. That was one of your big signings of the offseason. You haven't really gotten the impact game from him yet that you were probably expecting. He hasn't had a rushing touchdown this year after 18 last season and uh, you know it's funny you go back to week 18 of last season he's on the lions and they have this big statement win over the packers and again that actually was meaningless to them because they had already been eliminated even though they went into that day with a chance so maybe maybe this is his moment maybe this is that's his that's his atmosphere to shine in is these week 18 games where uh, you know you just need everyone to show up and have energy and he's got that in uh, in droves
2: we're going to take a break when we get back we're going to talk to mike detillier get his scouts notebook uh, get some insight more on these atlanta falcons uh, I want to hear from you too on the Oakenheart Jewelers Talk and Text line, 504 260 1870. What you doing for the week, week 18 finale? The home finale, too, here in the Superdome. Uh, regular season coming to an end. You're going to be at home or you're going to come to the dome, be in that number. Uh, give us a shout on the Oakenheart Jewelers Talk and Text line. We'll be right back with more of First Take after the break here on WWL. welcome back into first take time to get into our scouts notebook mike d mike detillier joining us Um, mike d's notebook brought to you by the thibodeau regional health system we've made it to week 18 mike how you doing this morning I'm doing great. Thank you, Steve. Uh, Looking at this running back group of the Atlanta Falcons, uh, we definitely know they are a problem. Obviously, Bijan Robinson, the rookie, everybody was anxious to see more of this season. But, man, oh, man, Tyler Algier's been a guy that really has put in the work, last season impressed, and has just done it more more and more this season. Uh, Someone that is uh, a problem for this Saints squad and just overall a really tough runner.
4: Yeah, Steve, he's... uh... (laughs) You got to understand. He understands his job. Uh, he knows once they pick Bijan, you know he's a top ten pick, that he wasn't going to get the touches that he did a year ago, and you know he was a thousand yard rusher a year ago. Right now he sits a little under six fifty, but he's bowling ball type runner, tough, hard nosed, a lot of north south with him. Every once in a while, he gives you an east-west move, but um, when they've asked him to be a focal point of their offense, he can do that. It'll use him a lot as a receiver. Just every once in a while, they'll throw him a pass, not like Bijan, uh, but you know you can see how the Falcons are built. Uh, they're built to run the football, and they have that talent with certainly with Bijan who's been everything, you know, he was built up to be coming into the league. And then Tyler Algier and also Cordell Patterson, Um, you know, uh, he's been all across the board, so to speak, uh, in the NFL, been used as a running back and H back, a flanker, wide receiver, return man. So, you know what they're going to give you. They're going to want to run the football and control the tempo of the game, and we saw it late in the first game when they needed to close it out, eight straight runs uh, they had against the Saints. So, you know, Tyler's a big part of that along with Bijan, and you want to be protective today, even though he's uh, practiced all week uh, because of the injury to Taylor Heineke. I think they're going to rely even more on the running game. But Tyler's a really good player in this league. He's not a star back, but he's a doggone good one.
3: You know, sticking on the offense there, you know, Drake London's a guy who kind of fascinates me because I, you know, it came out of of USC. I don't know if that's the the offense you look at in terms of these dynamic playmakers, but, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown also out of USC. They clearly have have figured out a way to develop these kind of physical, big-bodied or at least like kind of, you know, contested catch-type receivers? Because I think that's what I've seen from Drake London, you know, 6'4", 2'19". Not exactly a burner, but he's a guy that just presents a matchup problem. I almost want to comp him to Mike Thomas in that way. Of, like, even when he's covered, he's not necessarily covered, and it's just on the quarterback to get him the ball. You know, what, what kind of matchup issues does he provide for this Saints team? Because it is interesting because, you know, they can match up well with some of these more physical guys, but then you don't have Marshawn Lattimore. So how does that affect it?
4: Yeah, he's sort of a combo guy because he has some Mike Evans in him who you just played last week in Tampa and certainly some of the Mike Thomas traits. Uh, I do remember this summer, and we doing our preview for the NFL, uh, Jen Hale had done all of the preseason games for Atlanta, and I had asked her what was the one guy that she thought would be the breakout guy this year, and it was quick. It was Drake London great size. Um, He knows how to position his body between the ball and the defender really well. He's a move the chains type of guy. Every once in a while, he'll give you that big play threat downfield. But he, he played in a pro style offense, so the adjustment to the NFL was pretty smooth for Drake London. And it was a controversial pick because of the fact they had so many receivers in that draft class, a lot of people felt they would maybe go with a up the field speed receiver instead of Drake. That's not what Terry Fontenot wanted to do. He wanted to give them that big target receiver that could move the chains and be an 80 to 90 catch type guy. Now, you got to have the quarterback to do that. They haven't found that guy yet. But, man, he is a really good player, Jeff. And I think that in the right situation, he could be sort of a little bit in between what we see in Mike Evans in Tampa and what we've seen here with Michael Thomas. But he's really more of a possession guy. But he gives you a nightmare. Red zone, short-yarded situations. And a lot of people, you know, there's no cornerback who's six foot four and a half, six five. There's none. So just put it up there, and Drake has been able to go up and get it. He's a really good football player with more upside than really what he's shown so far in Atlanta, just because they haven't had the guy to be able to get the ball to him on a regular basis. But he's the scary guy for me on that team offensively uh, from a pitch and catch standpoint. Because there is no matchup against him. You, you have to kind of bracket him over and under to try to limit him uh, to move the sticks, which that's what they do with him.
2: Mike, looking at that Falcons defense, we knew uh, once Ryan Nielsen took over there as defensive coordinator, they were going to be coming for a lot of former Saints and uh, one of the free agents that they inked a big deal with, linebacker Caden Ellis. Three years, 21.4 million, 11 million guarantees, but man, you got to say, it's pretty much paid off for the Dirty Birds. Uh, Ellis right now, career high in tackles
4: and tackles for loss this year. Yeah, he hasn't had as many sacks as he did a year ago with the Saints, but he's he become a starter that was a big thing for him uh getting to know him a little bit he was he's a competitor uh, you know when your dad's a former nfl player for double digit seasons he's had two younger brothers that have played college football um uh, you grew up in that environment and i think he wanted to be a starter he looked on this team that Basically, with just starting two linebackers and said, you know, I want a place where I can go and one, get paid, and two, be a starter. Atlanta was the right spot for him. Very smart, instinctive football player. Um, I thought injuries early on with the Saints sort of derailed him a little bit. But, man, closer to the line of scrimmage, you can see his run defense skills. He's a really good open field tackler. He takes good angles to the football. He's not the quickest, fastest guy around, but he's so smart, so instinctive. He's gotten better uh, throughout the years in the coverage part of the game, which he hadn't been used that way. Uh, When he was in college, he was one year a pass rusher and one year a guy. They stuck along the uh, defensive line to stop the run, but, man, he's a good player. He just knows where the football is. He rarely takes a false step to the ball. And um, he can get out to the quarterback when they use him that way. They have not used him that way as much as we saw Ryan do last year. When Remember, the Saints were struggling with a pass rush. And Ryan came up with this little innovation. Let's use Caden Moore coming off the edge. And it, it really worked for him despite the fact the Falcons have not gotten much of a pass rush this year, so I don't know. Ryan might think that's a trend. Um, They have not used him a lot uh, in the pass rush part of the game, but, man, to affect Derek Carr today, and what I think is the weakness of their team, a bit of a leaky secondary, you may see them shoot Caden Ellis off the edge as a pass rusher more.
3: You know, I think that's an interesting point that you bring up in that, you know, this is funny that the last two seasons you've kind of had the same conversations like, oh, the pass rush isn't quite as effective as we like it. We need to find something else. And last year, they turned to Caden Ellis in that role with some injuries, and he has a really strong finish to the season, gets a bunch of sacks. This year, you're in a similar situation. Cam Jordan gets hurt. Zach Bond kind of steps into that role. He's your Sam yeah. linebacker. But now you're using him in the pass as a situational rusher, and you, you look at it, you're like, okay, you should be able to play Sam and a situational rusher role because they're not on the field at the same time. You don't have a situational rusher when you're in base. you know. And, and then you're also talking about a guy who's – Elite lead on special teams. And I start to wonder, you know, maybe it's a happy accident. You kind of luck into this scheme that works. But at a certain point, don't you have to start looking at it as, no, this isn't our last resort. This is the plan. This works. Find like a Taysom Hill on the defense. He's got to contribute on special teams. He's going to play Sam Linebacker, but he's going to rush the passer in third and along, and he's going to be a matchup problem. To me, I think that almost makes too much sense to not kind of turn it into a, uh, you know, kind of a staple of this defense. I'm curious how you, how you see that.
4: Yeah, and my thing is, did you watch him in college at Wisconsin? What did he do? Now, I read a bunch of horse hockey about, oh, he was great in coverage. Man, I don't know who's watching him, but that's not how they used him at Wisconsin at all. He was a pass rusher coming off the edge and a good one. And you know what? He's been pretty doggone good with the Saints when they've used him there. I don't know why it took them so long to figure that out because if you watch Zach Bond. At Wisconsin, that's what he did. He was not a cover linebacker. Uh, He was a guy used mostly as an edge guy to get pressure. If you watch Wisconsin's defense throughout the years, look how many of those guys have made it in the NFL doing the exact same thing. I know one thing, that white guy's pretty good doing it. (laughs) Uh, You know I mean? I'm not comparing him to TJ by any stretch, but what I'm saying is, you saw it last year. Why wouldn't you have figured out that that same sort of position could have been used this year? It came to you late, but I think that Zach's spot here uh, on this football team or on another team as a designated pass rusher, kind of, as you pointed out, uh, a jack-of-all-trade, Taysom Hill-type player on the defensive side of the football. He's never going to be great in coverage. He's going to get beat. If I'm throwing the ball, I'm throwing it right at Zach. But his run defense skills, his ability to get off a block, get some pressure off the edge, that's what he does best. And I'd like to see him use more that way, and that be a permanent part of this defense. I can find those guys in college. Talking to
2: NFL and college football analyst Mike Dettelier. Another one on the defense for me, Mike. Uh, Safety Jesse Bates, another person that the Falcons doled out some money to this offseason to bring into this defense, which has paid off. He ranked second among DBs with a career high, uh, 128 tackles this year. Uh, And then that last meeting against the Saints, he had 12 tackles, a forced fumble, and that 92-yard pick six we all remember quite well. It's been a big addition for this Dirty Bird squad.
4: Yeah, they paid a lot of money to him. I remember we got Randy Mueller on afterwards. He was like, Mike, I don't know who's paying all these money to these safeties, but it wouldn't be me. I'd pay him to corners. I, I wouldn't worry about paying safeties, that kind of money. But he's really uh, paid off, so to speak, uh, I guess the best way to put it, for the Falcons. He's always around the football. He's really good in run defense. He's really built like – an outside linebacker when you next to him, he's not a small guy uh, for a safety and he comes up the seam and fast in run support. But every once in a while, and you've seen teams sort of pick on him the last couple weeks on the deeper pass, man, if I'm the saints and I see that on film, if I see it, they've got to see it too. He's coming up some big plays in the passing game on the deeper throws, man. I got to, use Chris Olavi, Rashid Shahid in that category. But he's been a a great addition to that roster. Maybe a little unorthodox that you're trying to build your secondary around the safety position. Because he was never really known as a ball hawk. He was a good player in pass coverage, but he was never a great one. And I think it's just his inability to maybe – quickly turn and run to the ball. Now, when he plays deep safety, that's where he's dangerous. And that's when he caught Derek Carr. And he said it after the game. I saw what he did in prior games, and I knew he was going to make that throw. And he just sort of baited him into that. And I think really that changed the game. Because the Saints had some momentum going at that point and looked as though they were going to cash him with a touchdown. And that changed the game radically. At that particular point, Jesse Bates is a really good player. It's interesting. That's what Ryan wanted to build around in the secondary because most teams today, they are really trying to build around the cornerback position and the secondary guys be the kind of the last line of defense with Atlanta. They've used Jesse in a lot of different situations. I think he's a really good player. Everybody has strengths and weaknesses, with his weakness, it's his times that he's one-on-one with a guy deep down field. And he can't run with some of these speedsters just because he's like a big outside linebacker playing safety. Yeah, you talk
3: about you talk about the speed there. And, you know, obviously a guy who made the Pro Bowl this week, Rashid Shahid, second year out of Weaver State, you know. I don't think even he – he told us he didn't even envision himself as a Pro Bowl player when he came out of college and it's just come really quickly for him. And I i do think it's – you know, when you look at this team's ability to identify Pro Bowl return guys, you know, it's pretty impressive. You obviously had Deontay Hardy in 2019. But, you know, what, what I think sets Rashid a little bit apart in that regard is he's also been elite as a downfield weapon and he has shown some – some ability on some of the underneath, you know, he can run the entire route tree. And I think that's something you, you know, you got to a little bit with Deontay, but his size was always so, so limiting yeah. in that regard of how you could use him. Whereas Rashid, you know, that length and his ability to track falls downfield and really give you that, you know, field stretching weapon. I think, you know, it makes it feel like a very different situation, even though these are both Pro Bowl guys. I'm just curious how you kind of see Rashid. How have you seen his development this season compared to maybe what your expectations were, uh, you know, this time last year?
4: Yeah, I knew coming out of college he had had a knee issue, and uh, that probably stopped him from getting selected because he really did have a very impressive college career as both a return man and also as a deep threat guy. We didn't see him at all <laughs> in training camp. You know, we saw him off to the side, but we didn't really see him practice. Um, I think he, he's more impressive as a receiver to me than I thought he would be because of the fact that you look in this league, a lot of guys come out with the reputation of being fast. And then you put a helmet and pads on them, and they're not as fast as you might think. He's fast with helmet and shoulder pads. And it was so funny, this year, summer at the Louisiana Line Camp, we had about 13 fall, uh, current NFL defensive coaches there. And every one of them to a man talked about, man, with the Saints, man, the guy that scares me is Rashid Shaheed oh, We don't have nobody that can go step for step with him downfield once he gets it cranked up. And it was funny they brought up his receiving skills. Said, so, man, he's an elite return man. No question about it. And he's carried that over from high school to college to the pros. But it's his development as a deep threat and getting away from people. And you watched it this year. He ain't seen a lot of press coverage, and they offer him. They know. You play press coverage on him and miss, all you're seeing is the back of his cleat uh, because that guy can run. You know, other part, too, uh, most of the time you see these speedster-type guys, sometimes they don't catch the ball well. Do we remember Rashid Shahid dropping a punt or a kick? Do not, we not remember Rashid Shahid dropping a, a deep pass? You know, he is really sure-handed for that type player. And uh, against Atlanta, who has been vulnerable the last couple of weeks to the deep pass, him and Olave, man, they're running deep patterns for me. That means winning up front uh, along the offensive line. you got to win that battle and give Carr an opportunity to put it up there and let Olave and let Rashid get under it. But, uh, I agree with you, Jeff. I think the big thing with him is that what we really didn't know was how secure a receiver he was. When you use fast, and when you he had some moves to him, but it was his security catching the football. He catches it out front with his hands. Uh, a lot of these smaller speed receivers, they body snatches. They let the ball get right into their body before they make a catch because I think they feel more comfortable doing it that way. He's not that way. He catches the ball out front with his hands. I got to put the ball up there three or four times today for Rasheed to, to make some big plays for me against the Falcons.
2: Mike, always great information. Be talking to more on the Bud Light countdown to kickoff coming up 10 a.m. with the Cajun Cannon.
4: All right, guys, y'all take care. Thanks, Mike.
2: That's Mike D's Notebook brought to you by the Thibodeau Regional Health System. Want to hear from you on our Oakwood Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. Chime in on the regular season finale, Saints versus Falcons here in the Caesar Superdome, 504-260-1870. Coming back after the break, right here on WWL.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or...
2: Welcome back into first take who nation as we gear up for a noon start here in the caesar superdome between the saints and falcons week 18 regular season finale our oakland heart jewelers rolex time check three hours 10 minutes till that noon start here in the superdome uh, one of the saints players we were just talking about with mike detillier new time pro bowl selection Rashid shaheed and here's what he had to say to the media in the locker room this week getting ready for those dirty birds
0: how did you
5: hear the news, find out that you made a Pro Bowl? Yeah, so I was uh, just watching. Um, my agent told me to turn on Info Network, and um, he told me that there was a selection show going. I had no idea that it was happening at the time or anything. And um, I saw my name pop up and, you know, went crazy. I, I was um, so excited I couldn't sit down for like 10 minutes. I was just, you know, just soaking it all in, I'm feeling super blessed. And it was, it was a crazy moment.
0: What was the reaction that you've gotten from it, from other players, family
5: members? Right, yeah, nothing but love, nothing but love. And I appreciate everybody who voted. Um, everybody reached out, um, just tons of love throughout, you know, from family to friends to teammates. Couldn't ask for anything more. What, did, what does it say about you, just your path to the NFL, you know, undrafted
0: and then going through some injuries and stuff and then still making that in your second
5: year? Right, yeah, no, it's been a, a crazy journey and, and a journey that, you know, I, I wouldn't change um, at all. Um, you know, from, from coming in uh, injured and, and you know, all the trials and tribulations that I, I went through, um, Man, I'm just I'm just thankful to be at this point and and at this point that I'm at right now. I never really dreamed that I would be here, so that just makes it um you know a uh, little bit extra memorable. And I'm um, I'm just thankful. Yeah,
1: you're <laughs> kind of off that. Everybody's got dreams when they come into this league. this yes. Like a realistic one for you this early in your in
5: your career. I'm gonna be honest. I I never really pictured myself as as a pro bowler. Um, you know, now that it's it's kind of it's here, I it's it's hard to really explain what I'm feeling. Um, it's just all just just crazy. I'm you know, super blessed, and uh, uh all you know, everything that has happened throughout this time, um you know, it, it couldn't be better. What's the most uh, exciting thing you're looking forward to that Pro Bowl weekend? Yeah, uh, everything really. um I'm not exactly sure what it's going to be like, but I know it's going to be tons of fun meeting a lot of guys that I've, I've looked up to throughout my whole career and um, my whole life, really. So, I'm uh, super excited about that, super excited to meet all the new faces, and you know, um, you know, do do the games and everything. So I'm excited.
3: How are your dodgeball skills? I mean, you kept it up to <laughs>
5: I, 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 I still got to see. We're, we're going to see when, the, when we're out there, for sure.
0: Obviously, there's a big game this weekend before you can get to to that. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the focus going in and how has practice been this week?
5: It's been great. Um, I feel like we're all locked in. Uh, we're ready to go. We've had a great week of practice. We've been flying around, having fun. And, um, you know, we're all focused on the ta- task at hand. And we know that uh, we can't lose. Uh, we have to win. So that's the mindset going in is just win. And, um, you know, not letting anything come in front of that. Did you guys envision that it would be like this in Week 18, especially with all the ups and especially certain the downs that happened this season? Did, did you envision that it would be, you know, you would get to this point where if you're playing, you know, with some help, you can win the division title, and get into the playoffs? Right, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, throughout the season, we, we've always wanted things to be better, um, hopefully a better position, you know, but we're in a position right now where, where we um, still hold our own destiny. And, um, you know, we're going to gonna go out and fight. And um, we know that... Um, you know, it's going to be a fight and that this is a team that isn't going to just fold over. And, uh, you know, we got to come out ready and think we're prepared and it's going to be a good one.
3: Yeah, as a, as a returner, when, you know, like last week, Camarda seemed like he was willing to do anything as long, other than kick it to you. Is that kind of the ultimate kind of sign of respect for a returner when it's like you'd rather shank it out of bounds? Give you a chance
5: right yeah no absolutely as a returning you know you always want the points to you know land in your hands but you know when um you feel like you could get good field position you know that's that's going to help the team um so i feel like that's always a a dynamic a special teams that you know we could take advantage of
3: yeah and i know you, you told said previously you were excited for that Falcons matchup in week 12 obviously yeah. you had the injury early on you can mm. fight through you know is that kind of a little extra motivation this time around because you weren't able to? Go last
5: time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm excited to, to hopefully be able to go out and play a full game, uh, you know, be there for my team and, you know, make plays. Uh, it was tough. You know, that was a week that I was looking forward to and, you know, not being able to finish it. It, it was um, tough mentally at the time, but, you know, I knew that there was plenty of more opportunities and uh, here it is.
2: That's Saints Pro Bowler Rashid Shaheed talking to the media and Besides his returnability, obviously, as a wide receiver, we've seen him get 43 receptions, 654 yards, four touchdowns this season. Uh, just another weapon in this offense. And I think the biggest thing going into year two for me was just uh, his expansion in the route tree, being able to do more.
3: Yeah, well, like like we talked about with Mike, you know, he's always going to be that return guy, and it makes his roster spot so secure, you know, as secure as it could ever be. But the question, you know, in a modern NFL, you can't really devote a roster spot to a returner. It's a lot more difficult than it was maybe eight, ten years ago in terms of, you know, Devin Hester maybe not even make a roster this time. You know, like that's how little the return game <laughs> actually impacts. You know, maybe one or two a game, but because punters have been gotten so good at at angling and getting getting the ball out of bounds or not giving you a return you know uh, place kickers can just like knock it out of the back of the end zone whenever you need um but you know the the thing about that week 12 matchup with the Falcons that I think is easy to forget like not only yeah they ran the ball the Saints didn't score in the red zone they also didn't have Chris Olave, Rashid Sheed or Mike Thomas Mike Thomas got hurt in Minnesota he didn't play in that game Rashid Shahid got hurt, I think, on the opening offensive play. Right. He tried to gut through it. He got two catches for nine yards, but it was clear that it was a quad injury. It was clear that he was not going to be able to go anywhere near at the level that you needed to to be competitive. And then Chris Olave left with a concussion after a huge first half as basically the only weapon on the field. So, you know, when you talk about why will this game go differently, <laughs> right? Well, if you have your weapons, or at least two of them, for a majority of the game, you should feel pretty confident. They couldn't cover Chris – when no one else was out there, right? When you had basically A.T. Perry, who it didn't seem like they really trusted to throw to in that game, Lim Bowden, now you should have Rashid going over the top, Chris making hay over the middle and wherever he needs to be. I, I just think, like, this offense should be able to take advantage of this Falcon secondary.
2: You, you mentioned Olave there, too, and obviously he's still dealing with a little bit of that ankle issue. But he was full
3: in practice on Friday, okay, so I, that's I think a that's a good sign. indicator that he's kind of kicked that as much as possible, right? Like, obviously, with ankle injuries, they can linger, but right. I feel pretty good about where he's at.
2: Going to take a break. We'll be back with more First Take right here on WWL right after this. Welcome back into First Take. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak gearing up for a noon start here in the Caesars Superdome between the Falcons and Saints. Tom Pellicero of NFL Network tweeting out earlier this morning, Jeff, that Heineke is still a question mark for the Falcons at quarterback. He's going to give it a go, obviously, in pregame warm-ups to see how that ankle's dealing. I I think we're going to – we pretty much uh, believe he will get the start – but it's how is he going to be able to react in game? Uh, so there is a chance still that Desmond Ritter comes in once again <laughs> after getting benched twice for the 30 words. Yeah, my
3: my <laughs> greatest fear for this game is Desmond Ritter comes in at halftime and suddenly like they're just not you have to prepared. adjust things they're right already, and he just runs around. It is the Falcons' quarterback situation is so fascinating because, and it's like you wonder, it's like, well, that save uh, Arthur Arthur Smith's job because you know question, there's some right. talk about you know. There's reports that maybe they're interested in Bill Belichick. Maybe they're interested in moving on some someone else. But you know, do you really give your your head coach a fair shot when you're looking at Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke as his only options at quarterback? I don't know. So uh, maybe that. To helps. be
2: fair, Smith did pick Heineke.
3: Right. To be fair, <laughs> he has he has personal control, so he he made his own bet.
2: We'll be coming back with more of First Take after this right here. At WWL. Stay tuned.